bow our heads together. Almighty God, you are our God. And with great wonderment. And yet, pride we say, you're our God. We belong to you. For we are your people. How wonderful it is, Lord, that not only do we own you, but you own us. That you recognize us as your children today and in your presence. Lord, we're asking for your blessings today upon us as we look into your word, your anointing to go forth. Lord, did it touch the hearts and lives of your children? Let it bring healing and deliverance, Lord, whether it be in the realm of the spirit, the mind, whether it be the realm of the soul that would need saving, or whether it be in the realm of the body, the flesh, that gets so weary and weak. Now, Father, we're your children today, and we are asking for your grace upon us. As we would read your word together, we pray that you would anoint it to our hearts. Make it live. Step out of the pages of the Bible. Walk here among us today. Reveal yourself through the word, Lord. And may we, O oh God, take that word to our heart and become one with it. Lord, I pray for the little bride around the world, those that are listening in too. Lord, I pray that you would bless them in a mighty way. Our shut-ins that aren't able to be here, some in nursing homes and different places but Lord you are there you're with them because you said I'll never leave you or forsake you and I pray that you'll meet them in a very special way today that you'll just come down Lord to wherever they are in their room and minister to them in a special way I pray God for these that are here in the church some of them have great burdens upon their lives and we ask Lord that you would just lift those burdens today as we cast all our cares upon you, because we are assured you care for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Amen. Isn't it good to be in the house of the Lord today? It's just a place that we have dedicated to him, and thanks be to God for his goodness. Amen. So appreciated Brother Craig praying a moment ago, and happy to have him, Sister Anna, and the whole family here with us today. Um, also, Brother Kenneth is back there. My goodness, that shining face. I love you, Brother Kenneth. God bless you. And we're so happy that you was able to come today. And um, you know, he's uh, uh, been close to death a number of times, but he's still here this morning. And amen is a testimony of the grace of God and his healing power. So we thank the Lord for that. Also, um, Brother Timothy and I will be leaving for Germany on Wednesday, May the 24th. That's just coming up, and we'll be going through Wednesday, May 31st, so be in prayer for us. There's special meetings there and, um, with Brother Gerd Rodewald, and so um, it's some 25 years ago, I think it was, we were part of his dedication services, so we're back again to try to uh, be a blessing to the people there. So you know what it is when others come here and what a blessing they are to us. Amen. So we, in turn, you know, want to be able to be a blessing there. Genesis chapter 18, verse 9, and uh, praying that God will 
bless you in a very special way today as we look into his word and look for his anointing upon it. Amen. God will speak to you in a, in a very personal way today. Amen. Genesis 18, verse 9, and they said unto him, where is Sarah, thy wife? And he said, behold, in the tent. And he, will, he said, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life, and Sarah, thy wife, shall have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent door, which was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were well old and well stricken in age, and it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I am waxed old, and shall I have pleasure, my Lord, being old also. And the Lord said unto Abraham, Wherefore did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I of a surety bear a child which am old? Is there anything too hard for the Lord? At the time appointed, I will return unto thee according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. And then Sarah denied, saying, I laugh not. For she was afraid, and he said, Nay, but thou didst laugh. God bless you, can be seated. Today I want to speak on changing our heart, our mouth, and our confession. I touched a nerve last time I ministered. I preached on Sarah, watch your tongue. You see, God's word must be believed. And like the old woman Sarah sitting in her unbelief, scoffing at the promise, her heart had to be changed from doubting to believing. And it took uh, the manifestation of God in the form of a man to discern her heart and turn it from the unbelief and that it held her. It's so great an unbelief that, in fact, it was years of accumulated unbelief. That, uh, that she, when she would hear it from God himself, she would actually scoff or laugh in the face of an all-knowing God and then try to cover it up by lying. And we went through it last week of the quotes where Brother Branham said God would should have killed her right there, but he said he couldn't do it because she's part of Abraham. And he said the same with us. The grace of God holds us even in our moments of unbelief and our doubting and confusion. And, and, and we had you to listen to the sermon, speak to this mountain in San Jose where Brother Branham, you know, went over the, the third pull of his ministry and God was trying to show him the truth of uh, Mark eleven twenty three and and the speaking of the word. And, and he, you know, uh, stumbled over that and disbelieved it and said, well, it wasn't even in the atonement and, and so on because of unbelief that he had to even struggling to believe that that scripture could be for us. And then God trying to show it to him and still in all of those moments of bumbling and stumbling and questioning and doubting and disbelieving and whatever else, but God's grace overrode all of that. Amen. And still honored the words of a man that, was, that spoke things into creation. And, and so it gives us a lot of hope for ourselves when we realize that we, how weak we are as human beings and how often that we doubt and ponder and question and, you know, second guess and, and uh, uh, doubt the promises of God. And, 
You know, and so um, like Sarah, the the. You know, the, the woman, the old woman, the church, she's not been barren for 2,000 years. And she's been waiting on the promised son and for Jesus to return. And, and um, she receives a visitation to turn her heart from acu- years of accumulated doubts, of misinterpreted theology and unbelief. Uh, back to the faith of when she was a young girl, a young church, so that she in her heart must return to being the bride that she was at Pentecost. And remember, you you know, I I can think of her, you know, remember what it was like to skip like a young girl to sport with your husband. Uh, Remember what it was like to laugh and rejoice. Sarah, you're going to laugh again. You know, remember what it was to be beautiful and desirable and you're going to be so desirable that Jesus is coming back for you. Amen. Amen. And so she is that little faith woman. Yes, she's been a doubter, but and it looks like God would have given up on her a long time ago, but he can't because she is a part of Christ and what he had in his mind of her before the foundation of the world. And she's going to be everything God said she would be. And I want just to read what the prophet said and share what he could see with prophetic eyes. And these are a paraphrase of his words, but this is taken from God of this evil age. And he says, a bride, the church, the word, a people called out from here, there for his namesake, will unite with the body of Christ. And the kingdom of the Antichrist will be taken and destroyed and Christ shall take the throne and set upon the throne of his father David and reign upon the earth for a thousand years and then present the church to God without spot or blemish. Sometimes I wonder how in the world is he going to do it with as many blemishes and spots and troubles and you know, misunderstandings and doubtings and confusions and men rising up with their own ideas and everything else, and yet God said, I'm going to do it. Amen. That's what gives me a lot of courage this morning for myself and for you too. Amen. And he says, I'll picture the bride of Christ now. Now, the humble little bride of Christ just simply believes the word, whoever she is. The bride is made up of individuals, and I hope and trust there's many sitting present, missing, listening in, and I hope that myself and every one of you all are part of that bride, and, and all that's been ordained to that will be that because it's their nature. They see, they recognize, the word can only recognize the word. Now, as he describes her, he says, her beautiful long, her long hair, Nazarite vow, shows she's vowed to God. Her beautiful gown of his promised word for the age that she's living in wrapped around her, vindicating her with himself. Of Hebrews 13 and 8, Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. And as she is part of the word groom, true to him in every point. The bride of Christ is vowed to Christ, and he is the word. A woman should not even wink at another man. She should make no signs, no emotions at all toward him, for he is, she is absolutely a bride to one bridegroom. You listen to only one voice. My sheep know my voice. 
a stranger they will not follow. And what is a voice? Any man's voice is his word. And this is it, the Bible. Not one word to be added to it or taken from it. Just stay right with that voice. A stranger they will not follow. A denomination. As a, she is a part of the groom, true to him at every point, waiting for the wedding, uniting in the sky at the wedding supper. She's been given and revealed to her the seven sealed mysteries of the Bible, and she sees the folly of the deceiver so very close to the truth that almost deceived the elected. She, the real true Christian, has revelation or faith in his word. She makes no claim of knowledge. They say, well, have you got a doctor's degree? Makes no claim. I believe his word doesn't claim to be educated, doesn't belong to any denomination or any party or any sect. She belongs to Christ. She's his wife, not the wife of a denomination. But in obedience, and this is what I want you to hear, that little faith woman that lives by faith, the bride believes the word. She is obedience and waiting in love for the promise of the age to be confirmed. She's watching for it. She's a part of that word and she's watching for her life to manifest that word. Amen. Can you imagine here God speaking of you as Brother Branham envisioned the bride, that little faith woman. Now, you may not feel like a little faith woman or a little faith church is, uh, you know, or whatever, but we are the bride of Jesus Christ, and we, and we have been called a little faith woman. The body said, which is the word is waiting for the life, which is the spirit to confirm it or make it alive. That's what she's waiting for. There's no other life will work in her. She can't to come to life any other way, yet she feels it out there and she knows it's gonna happen. Then here it happens and then she wakes up and God says, let there be and she come forth like the first one, come forth. So you see, God is still creating the bride in his image. And the word of the angel put Sarah in position of a princess. A stately, dignified lady of high rank. But for too long, she could only see herself as a failure, as having gone too far, too far gone, or too old, or unable, and undesirable. Why she couldn't even be desired, even if as a wife to a hundred year old man. You know, she just wasn't desirable anymore. And certainly too unable to fulfill the prophecy. You see, you see, in her mind, she was too weak. She was too faithless to, to even believe. Hope was gone. Not only was her body dead, her faith was dead. How do I know her faith was dead? Because faith without works is dead. And she had no works. She had no belief. You know, she saw herself as one thing, but God saw her as another. That's what I want you to see about yourself today. You may see yourself as one thing, but I want you to understand the way God sees you. You may see yourself as weak and unable, and I don't have the ability to be an overcomer, but God says you are mighty in faith. <laughs> 
You're that little faith woman. You're a people of a rapture. You're a people of an end time word that has been manifested in the flesh today. You see, she would see herself as one thing, but God was seeing her as another. Oh, if today we could just see ourselves if, as God sees us. Amen. God didn't see a woman too old. He didn't see a woman too feeble. He didn't see a woman too unable. He didn't see her too weak or too much doubt, too much unbelief. Even though when he heard her unbelief and discerned her unbelief and called it out, he said, but that's not who you are. You are not a doubter. Amen. You are a believer. And the visitation of the angel came to turn her heart to believing again. That's what this message has come to do. Amen. It comes to turn our hearts to believe in. And the word calls us things that we don't even recognize about ourselves. That we do, that couldn't possibly be me. And the word says we are, but no, that couldn't possibly be me. And there in our heart, we just ponder and wonder, and scoff, question. Maybe we don't even say it out loud, but we have difficulty. Like Gideon, back there hiding, hiding there, you know, his, uh, and, and threshing a crop and, and hiding away from fear of being seen and being stolen what he had and, and, and robbed by the Midianites and, and, and here hiding away and he, he gets a visitation from an angel that says, the Lord is with thee, thou mighty man of valor. Amen. I imagine Gideon looked around to see who he was talking about because this couldn't surely be me. He didn't feel like a mighty man of valor. He was over here scared and hiding and there threshing his wheat, but he was a mighty man of valor. You see, God was calling out the potential that was in him. And that's the thing that I want you to know, the message. Maybe you don't line up to it. Maybe you don't measure up. But God isn't talking about what you are now. God is calling out the potential that it lays within that predestinated seed. Things that you can't even see things that you don't even recognize about yourself. And yet the word of God said, this is what you are. Brother Branham could not recognize himself as one who could speak to a mountain, who could create a squirrel with words. But God is true was showing him the potential that lays in the power of his word in spite of your unbelief. Listen, God's going to have a rapture. He's going to have a bride in spite of yourself. Amen. Where is Sarah, thy wife? Where's your wife? Where's the princess? Hmm. That's what he called her. Princess. Sarah says, I, I don't feel like no princess. She laughs within herself. Too long, you know, she was identified as that barren woman. That fruitless woman, that woman that was never to be achiever, 
that one that could only do it in a surrogate way, the one who was always a failure and she laughs within her heart, you know, and within herself or within her heart. But I want you to understand, Sarah, this 2,000-year-old bride, you see, your heart needed to be turned. This is why he said in Malachi 4, 5, Behold, I send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and the dreadful day of the Lord, and he shall turn, what? The heart. Amen. That, that inside part where you're scorning within yourself, where you're laughing within yourself, where you're questioning within yourself, where you, you know, things you wouldn't even speak out loud, but you're wondering, you're questioning Possibly, could I do it? Would I? Can I ever measure up? Can I ever be a part? Can I really ever? But he comes to turn your heart. What? To the fathers of the fathers, to the children, the heart of the children, to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. I want you to turn with me to Isaiah 55 and verse 7, and let's learn something about our own self. Let's learn our, uh, something about our thoughts and God's thoughts. Our, our ideas and yet how eternal God's word is. You see, the heart has to be turned back to the original faith that was once delivered to the saints. But it's not just the word is a theology, but it's the word in power. Isaiah 55 and 7 says, let the wicked forsake his way you know to be a christian you got to forsake your way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and to become a christian you got to quit thinking your old thoughts you got to have what's called in the bible a renewing of your mind a change of your mindset and so he said and let him return unto the lord and he will have mercy upon him and to our God, and he will abundantly pardon. You see, the moment you forsake your way, the moment you forsake your thoughts, and you turn to the Lord, that's when he will have mercy upon you, and he, and he will abundantly pardon the unbelief that you have held in your heart. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. When does that come? When you start forsaking your way. When it forget, when it becomes where you forsake your own thoughts. I'm unable. God can never use me. Who am I, Lord? I'm too little. I'm too insignificant. I really ain't that important. Listen, God says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts are, are higher than your thoughts. So God says, my thoughts is way beyond. This is why he said that he is able to do exceedingly abundantly above that which you are able to think or ask. You can't ask of God something big enough, something hard enough, something difficult enough. Come on. This God, there's nothing too hard for him. Amen. And your problem isn't too insignificant. 
Brother Branham said, God would raise up under the third pull a little insignificant minnow fish, little nothing, and show he has resurrection and life that God cares about little things. I want you to know God cares about your little things. For as the rain cometh down and the snow from the heaven and returneth not thither but watereth the earth and maketh it come down and bud, bring forth and bud that it may bring, give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whether I swear to I sin it. For you shall go out with joy and shall be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth before you into singing, and all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. Sarah, you're going to laugh again. Sarah, you're coming to a springtime. You talk about changing of the season. This is restoration hour. Hallelujah, where leaves will break out into singing. Amen. The hills shall break before in singing and they, they shall clap their hands and there's going to be a, it's a time of rejoicing. The Bible calls it a time of refreshing from the presence of the Lord. Instead of thorns, it shall come up a fir tree, something usable. Instead of a briar, another thorn, it shall be come up for a myrtle tree. And it shall be to the Lord for a name, for an everlasting sign that shall not be cut off. So the word will not return to God empty. It shall accomplish what he sent it to do. I want to reassure you today. In the moment of great calamity, in the moment where the world is nervous, in the moment where governments and economies are about to fall and collapse, in the moments when we're being lied to on every hand, and, and, and there's rising of evil like you've never seen. I want you to know the word God sent in this day will not return to him empty. It's going to accomplish getting a bride for his namesake. Amen. Amen. Now, don't look like he has much to work with. A 2,000-year-old woman with, with accumulated unbelief. Amen. It don't look like he has much to work with, but God showed you what he, he can do. Little is much. He can, he's the God who can take five loaves and two fishes and feed 5,000. He's a God that can take and take things that you think is impossible and turn them around, making your impossibility, impossibilities possibilities. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You never get too old. You never get too feeble. It's not just for young people. It's for, the, it's for the old, the aged, the decrepit, the feeble, the weary, the, the beat down, the broken down, the broken situation, the broken home, the broken marriage, the broken relationships. I don't care how broken. Hallelujah. He's the resurrection and the life. First Thessalonians 2 and 13 says, For this cause we thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God which you heard of us, 
You received it not as the word of men, but as in truth the word of God. You see, when you take your Bible, that's the way that you got to take it. You got to take it not as the word of men, even though men wrote it, moved on by the Holy Ghost. You got to take it as it is the truth, the word of God, which effectually works in you when you believe. Come on now. Amen. Look, another translation said, when you have faith, the word of God is a living power in you. Let me say it again. When you have faith, the word of God is a living power in you. Amen. The word became a living power within Sarah, arresting her thoughts, changing her attitude. Amen. Enlarging her faith and finally changing her body. Come on, church. You know that. She was 90. She couldn't have that baby. God had to change her body. He had to bring her back to where she was. Can I say it this way? The bride she was in Pentecost. He had to renew her again. He had to restore her. And he had to fix the problem that caused her to stray to begin with. To be barren. When the angel came, Sarah was faithless, hopeless, bitter, angry, old, set in her ways. But he turned her heart. And she began to see herself as God saw her. God said, I don't see this old woman. I see a young woman. I don't see, I don't see somebody that's feeble and, and got a problem and hunched back and old and, and, and a tremor in her voice. I see a young woman. I see one capable of, of bringing forth a child, of chasing a baby, of washing diapers. Amen. Of getting up during the night and tending to a little one. Come on, I see her. I see her something different than, than it is. And, and she, he had to turn her heart where she could begin to see herself as God saw her. She was a princess. That's what God called her. He made her name princess, chosen. Come on. Elect, desirable. No longer a forsaken woman, but a sought after woman. Not even just by her husband, even, but a young king would look upon her and she was so beautiful. A beauty that had to come first on the inside. Trying to get something to you. It had to first turn her heart and her heart become beautiful. And her thoughts then become beautiful. And then her words become beautiful. Hallelujah. And then her whole body began to become beautiful. I'm trying to tell you something, friends. When your heart gets turned and began then to speak from the heart, from the, from the heart, the mouth begins to speak. Amen. And you begin to speak. Amen. I am what he says I am. I can do all things to Christ. I am more than an overcomer. I am not a defeated person. I am a conqueror. I am an overcomer. Amen. But it has to come first on the inside. You see, Sarah had a change in her heart first. Before the change of her body, she started believing she was a princess. Amen. Not one by a substitution through a child of Hagar, 
but that she was indeed, absolutely indeed, the queen mother of the Abrahamic race. Brother, when she began to think different, she started walking with her shoulders back. Amen. Her head held up high. And, and God had called her a princess. Well, if God calls me a princess, I'm going to act like a princess. If God calls me bride, I'm going to act like bride. If God says I'm his son or his daughter, I'm going to act like a son or daughter. I'm going to behave like he called me. Amen. God had called her a princess. And that nagging feeling of I'll never be good enough. I'm too weak. My faith isn't that strong. I'll never have enough. I can never please God enough. It's too much. God expects too much of me. You know, it's that spirit of fear that, that wants to sneak up on you and overwhelm you and keep you trying to pry its wicked fingers off of your neck. You know, it's that spirit of fear that wants to choke you down and hold you back. God wants you to know you're loved. You're cared about. He says in Isaiah 43 and 4, you are precious in my eyes and you are honored and I love you. Isn't that wonderful? You are precious in my eyes. You are honored and I love you. God wants you to know I love you. Amen. God, the psalm says, God is within her and she shall not fall. Jesus said in John 15, 9, he said, the father, as the father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. This is what God wants for you, to know that you're loved, that he cares about you. As he would say, cast all your cares on me because I care for you. But in spite of that, you feel doubtful. How can he love me? I've never done anything worthy of being loved. But this is what the God of the Bible says. says, you are worthy. In fact, the matter is, he says, you're somebody I'll fight for. He said, the Lord will fight for you, and you only need to be still. Amen. Amen. You don't have to do a thing, but just trust in me. Amen. That's all you have to do. Just be still. Amen. And trust in me, and I'm going to fight for you. Can you imagine God fighting on your behalf? That you're worth worth fighting over. Come on now. If Michael would fight over the dead body of Moses, amen, then don't you know God's gonna fight over the body of his bride? Hallelujah. Don't you know he's fighting for you this morning? Hallelujah. This God says, you're worth fighting for. He says, are not five sparrows sold for two copper coins and not one of them is forgotten before God? He said, I want you to know, they out there said there's two of them that are, that are sold for just, you know, five sparrows sold for two copper coins. They're, they're almost worthless. But he says, none of them are forgotten by God. Amen, I'm the God of the insignificant. I'm the God of even those that people don't think anything of. And he said, but 
said about you now. Now, wait a minute. You, your very hairs of your head are numbered. That's how close I know you. That's how intimate I am with you. Amen. That, I, that the very hairs of your head are numbered. So don't fear no more. He said, you're more value than sparrows. They're so insignificant, man will sell them for nothing, for pennies. But for you, oh my, amen, you're, you're not insignificant. You are worthy. You are mine. You are sought after. You are cared about. You are loved. You are wanted. You are desirable. You are needed. Hallelujah. It's the God who goes before you. It's the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Listen to these words. That's Deuteronomy 31 and 8. But nevertheless, these words are saying you, you, know, you know, that you are valuable, that you're admirable, that you're precious, that you're worthwhile. Oh, it's so hard sometimes to see ourselves in that light. Are you, are you just, you're so afraid that you just don't measure up somehow. Dude, you know, you have difficulty understanding how could I be valuable in God's eyes? You see, with Sarah, there had to be something else rule or hard. Oh, sitting in this tent. If you hear Brother Bantam talk about it, um, I think it's in the message, is anything too hard for the Lord? He tells about the mood that Sarah was in. You know, and, and how she was thinking, you know, how left out she was and how Lot's wife got this and how this happened. You know, looking out at others and she was just feeling, these feelings of, of, of being overlooked, being uncared for. God had just passed over her. Yeah, Abraham had this son and, and they, you know, he had Hagar as a, as a surrogate mother and, and yet, you know, you know, in years to come, Sarah's not going to be the mother of the race. Hagar is. Right now, we're just giving lip service. Sarah's the mother. She's the wife. She's the woman. But Hagar's the real mother. And all of this unbelief was ruling her heart. But you see, there had to come a turn in the heart where the peace of God began to rule her heart. No longer did negative thoughts rule her heart. As Brother Branham said, you can never get anything from God with a negative thought. He that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Keep thinking that. If there be any praise, if there be any virtue, think on these things. You see, the, the word of the Son of Man, God in clothes of a man, God in human dust, his word began to rule her heart. This is what we got to do as message believers. Start letting the word rule our hearts. Not what's said on CNN or Fox News or in your bank account or what in the economy or the inflation. Or all of that rule in your heart. But let the peace of God rule your hearts. 
into which you are called in one body and be thankful. As he says in Colossians 3.16, let the word of God dwell in you richly. In all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your heart. Let, you know, the, the verse before said, let the peace of God rule. Then let the word dwell in you richly. How in the world is the peace of God going to rule when your mind is full of all the negativity that's in the world? Amen. The negativity that maybe somebody said about you or belittled you or maybe from your childhood of feeling neglected. Maybe a father who was not a, uh, who was not a father in the home and never could show love. And, or maybe a mother who abandoned you. I don't know what situation you may have come from. Come on. You may have been unwanted as a child, undesirable, rejected. But don't let those thoughts rule your mind and heart. Let the peace of God rule your heart. Let the word of God dwell in you richly. In all wisdom and teaching and admonishing and psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and singing. Sound like whatever thoughts you're getting out of the words causing you to rejoice. Come on now. Amen. Causing you to sing. Amen. Well, the doctor's report said this, but if we get back on the word, you can sing in the very face of a bad report. Are you with me, church? Amen. The word is to dwell in you richly. Hallelujah. Isaiah said 20. Six and verse three, thou will keep him in perfect peace. Here's how to have your peace. Whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts in thee. Amen, don't let your mind wander. Don't let it race. Don't let it go out to the wrong kind of thinking. Arrest those thoughts. Brother Bradham said it's birds that are flying over and, and they want to come there in your mind and and, and, you know, and, and, but he said, you can't help that. But he said, don't let them roost. Take you a double-barreled shotgun of Old and New Testament and load it. Amen. Notice he said, he said, that will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. Trust in the Lord forever for the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. Hallelujah, put your trust in him. Amen. Some men will trust in horses. The Old Testament said that was their power then. Some will trust in their armies, but our trust is in the name of the Lord God of Israel. You see, of course, the spirit of God is the word and they're one and the same. We are, we are a word bride. Amen. And, that's, and what's coming forth in this hour is in the church is a word bride. It's in the sermon of birth pains, Brother Brandon said, she's fixing to bring forth the perfect word. And the groom, the word is coming for the word bride. As a woman is part of a man, so the church will have to be a word abiding church. Every word of the Bible, a word abiding church. Letting the word dwell in you richly. Amen. So every word that is spoke of the virgin 
must be fulfilled in this bride. She is the absolute embodiment of all the scriptures and all the types that spoke of a bride. Amen. So, you know, it doesn't matter whether it's Sarah or Rebecca or Esther or who. She is embodiments of all that ever spoke of the bride. You know, it's a, Malachi 4 says, our hearts are to be turned to that. Churn it. When I, when I take my mind off of my enemies and my oppression and my mind turns to the word of God, to thy statutes, you know, it becomes a heart that is fixed or a heart that is established. Amen. Not an unsettled heart, not a questioning heart, not a doubting heart, but a settled heart. Psalms 57, 7, my heart is fixed, O God. My heart is fixed. I will sing and give praise. In other words, I'm keeping my heart on you, O God. Therefore, I will sing and give praise. Awake up, my glory. Awake, psaltery and harp. I will wake early. I will praise thee, O Lord, among the the people. I will sing unto thee among the nations. For thy mercy is great unto the heavens and thy truth unto the clouds. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens and let thy glory be above all the earth. Notice what happens now. When your heart is fixed and stationed on God, amen, what will you do? I will sing and I will give praise. You can tell when your heart gets fixed. Come on, it's fixed on your illness. It's fixed on your problem. It's fixed on your marriage situation. It's fixed on your kids and their troubles. But get your mind fixed on God. And when you get your mind fixed on God, you begin to sing and give praise. It takes away the gloomy, dreary spirits. And causes a lift within the heart. Psalms 112 and 1. Praise ye the Lord. Blessed is a man that feareth or reveres the Lord. That delighteth greatly in his commandments, his word. Blessed is the man. Happy is the man that reveres the Lord. Knows he's going to do what he said he would do. That his word's going to be fulfilled in you. No matter what your circumstances are. No matter how bad you are feeling. No matter if you spent your last nickel of your paycheck, it doesn't matter. You know, if you get your mind upon him and and he says, he said, praise ye the Lord. Happy is the man that reveres the Lord, that delights greatly in his word. And then, listen, I want you to hear what he said about your offspring. He said, his seed shall be mighty in the earth. Somebody help me preach right there. Amen. His seed shall be mighty in the earth and the generation or the offspring of the upright shall be blessed. Amen. I may not see those blessings now, but God's calling out the potential in my kids. Hallelujah. My seed will be mighty, not weak. Amen. Not sin torn, not pulled out in the world. They shall be mighty upon the earth. The offspring of the the upright shall be blessed. My children are going to be the blessed of the Lord. The potential is in them because we believe the word of God. Praise ye the Lord. Hallelujah. 
Wealth and riches shall be in his house. Oh, maybe it's been uh, breadcrumbs this morning, but riches and wealth shall be in his house. And his righteousness endureth forever. Upon the upright, there arises light in the darkness. He is gracious. Listen, on the upright, there's light. He is gracious and full of compassion and righteous. A good man showeth favor and lendeth. He will guide his, his affairs with discretion. Amen. Is not God a good man? Then he shows favor and he gives. And he guides the affairs of his house with discretion. Surely he will not be moved forever. The righteous shall be an everlasting remembrance. God will never forget you. He shall not be afraid of evil tidings. Oh, hallelujah. Maybe you're going for a doctor's report. Take the scripture with you. He shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed. Trusting in the Lord. Amen. His heart is established. He shall not be afraid until he sees his desire upon his enemies. Amen. Isn't that wonderful? The Bible is saying you're going to see your desire upon your enemy. What's going to happen to cancer? What's going to happen to trouble? Come on. What's going to happen to the devil? You're going to see your desire upon your enemy. Amen. Your heart is fixed. Now, Brother Branham tells us in the Pergamian church age, he gives us a few keys here. And he says, Jesus knew that there was going to be a terrible drift from the word in the Pergamian age as it was 200 years off of the past, from the Patmos vision. He knew the drift would cause him to go into dark ages. He knew that the way that man originally got away from God was by first leaving the word. Now here, here's the source of any problem you'll have, leaving the word. Come on, leaving the word. If you leave that word, you've left God. So it's backsliding. Thus, he has presented himself to the church at Pergamos, indeed to all the churches of all ages, that's us. I am the word, watch now, if you want deity in your midst, then welcome and receive the word. Hello? Don't let anything or anyone get between you and that word. This is which I'm giving you. The word is a revelation of myself. I am the word. Amen. Remember that. Oh, well, Brother Tim, glory to God, we have received the message. and Man, we have welcomed the word, the seals, the mysteries, the revelation, and how to dress. And, and God sent a prophet, hallelujah. Well, what about his word about healing? Amen. What about his word about healing? I'm asking. The Bible said in Deuteronomy 7, 15, and the Lord will take away from you all sickness and will afflict you with none of the terrible diseases of Egypt which you have known. So you see, he's going to take away all sickness. Are you with me now? Amen. Then, then if you're sick, welcome that word. Amen. Welcome that word if you because what that brings deity in on the scene when you welcome and receive the word. The Lord will take away all your sickness 
and will afflict you with none of the terrible diseases of Egypt which you've known. Now, let me just say this. No sickness is from God. The Bible said he takes away sickness, not that he brings sickness. He promised that he would not afflict us with any of the terrible diseases of Egypt. All sicknesses of the devil. God did not bring it, but he will take it away. Amen. It's a foreign life. It's a demonic life. Amen. But we have the right to cast it out. But the only way you'll ever cast it out is you've got to first believe the word Oh, Brother Tim and Brother Joe would just lay hands on me and give me a private work. It's not, that's a secondary. A prophet vision or a prophet word, even if Brother Branham, Brother Branham said the visions I have and the thing is a secondary way of God speaking. Even in preaching like I'm preaching this morning is a secondary way of God speaking. But he said God's first way of speaking is his Bible. The word of God. This is his first. And it can't go different. I don't care what a prophet said or anybody else said. If an angel comes from heaven and says any other thing, he's accursed. So if you want God to come on the scene, welcome the word. Receive it. Quit thinking. Well, I'm sick. God, what did I do this time? How did I fail you? What did I do? Why are we always blaming our relationship with God? Like he's just watching out for you to slip up somewhere so he can get you. Oh, his eyes on us, Brother Tim. He's looking out. He's trying to find an excuse to punish us. Send us to hell. Banish us forever. Why are we blaming our relationship with God every time that something has? I'm sick, though. I must have failed God. You're sick. I'm going to tell you why you're sick. Because you're human. And your body was perverted from perfection. When God originally made man, he couldn't get sick. God didn't listen to all sicknesses of the devil. Amen. And because your body was perverted from perfection, it's now open to the tormenting spirit of the devil. So Satan's army brings diseases. That's what he is. He's a destroyer. Satan, the kingdom of Satan is sickness, death, sorrow, frustration, worry. All on Satan. God is life, faith, peace, joy. Amen. And those are the two forces coming together right now and they're battling right now. Not just in this building, but right in your mind. Amen, because that's where the greatest battle is ever fought. Amen, and the only way that you're gonna win the battle is by changing your mind to start believing what God's word said. Amen. Or either either you're giving weapons to the devil to destroy you. They battle right here day by day, every day. Satan as Brother Branham said, following you along, that great big kingly priestly Goliath trying to scare the liver out of you. Yeah. 
Well, I'll tell you what, don't look on the internet to see about your problem. You'll get your liver and your gizzard and everything else cured out of you. Amen. Look in the Bible to see about your situation. Amen. You you know, be fortified with the gospel, with the word of truth around your loin. Amen. A helmet of salvation, a shield of faith, a sword waving in your hand and say, Satan, I'm coming to meet you in the name of Jesus Christ. So Brother Branham says, I wonder if we're sufficiently impressed with the word in our midst. I wonder, God trying to show us the power in it. Before he even brings the word, he shows us the power. It healed the blind, the deaf, the dumb, cripples walk. Those, those hideously in, in, in crippled shape, you know, turned and made human again. They did. Bones cracked. Everything else, spines that were twisted come together. God's showing us. For he even brings the message. He's first showing us the power of it. Then before the third pull and the opening of the seven seals, which is the revealing of the word, which was the third phase, he shows you the power of it. Amen. What will it do? It'll create. It'll resurrect. It'll save. It'll heal. It'll change atmospheres. Hallelujah. Amen. It'll calm the storms in your life. Now, Brother Branham tells us to fulfill his word, he must keep his word. I've often wondered when they would see his word manifested, what would they do about it? Oh, well, some says it's telepathy. Others said it's a wild imagination, pretty good imagination. They called out names and afflictions and troubles and what the doctor said. That's pretty good imagination. Amen. Telepathy, that's pretty good mind reading. Examine it by the word. God's word promised it. All heavens and earth shall pass away, but my word shall never fail. Open that door of faith. When Jesus was on the earth, he knew that that scripture pertained to him, which said, you destroy this body, I'll raise it up again in three days. The prophet has said, I'll not suffer my holy one to see corruption, neither will I leave his soul in hell. He knew that scripture pertained to him, and he was, for he was the Messiah, and he knew it. His unfailing faith put him in position to know that he was the perfect born son of God. If your faith will put you in position to know that every divine promise of God's Bible is for you, just just as sure as it pertained to him, every promise pertains to you. Oh, this ought to change your attitude about the written word. Amen. Your healing, your salvation, your freedom from sin, your selfishness, and your, your indifference, your little turtle shell you want to pull yourself into. Christ come in to be Lord and ruler to set you free from those things. But we won't do it. And he said the reason why is because People are fulfilling the scripture of being lukewarm, cold, and formal. I wonder if we're sufficiently impressed with the word in our midst. We received a message from an angel. Do we believe what it said? 
let me give you a thought here. He says, how do we pray? We pray in Jesus' name, don't we? Every prayer is in his name or there isn't any answer. Yet in 1 John 5, 14, we're told this is the confidence we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. You know, the first thing you got to do is decide whether it's God's will or not. Well, I don't know if it's God's will to heal me. Well, then you better figure it out. The Bible said it is. God showed his will in Jesus. He healed the sick everywhere he went. He was, he was the divine will of God made manifest. His attitude toward the sick is the same today as it was then. Because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Somebody help me preach. So the first thing you got to do, is it God's will to heal me? Yes, it's God's will to heal me. He said it over and 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 over again in his word. So this is a confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. We know that he hears us whatsoever we ask. We know that we have the petitions we desired of him. So now we ask, what is the will of God? There's only one way to know his will, and that's by the word of God. So what's the word of God about healing? What's the word about gifts? What's the word about miracles? What is the word of God about your, your needs? What is the word of God about you? Are you just happenstance? Did you just accidentally come? Are you just a second thought? You were in his thinking before the foundation of the world. You're chosen. You've been called. You've been placed in this age. Not to be a failure. Come on, Sarah. You viewed yourself as a failure way too long. Quit looking at yourself as I can't and begin to realize God placed me here because he knew I could. Lamentations 3.37, who is he that saith, and it come to pass when the Lord commandeth not. Therefore, there it is. If it isn't in the word, you can't have it. We can't ask unless it's in the word. And we can't petition or ask unless it's in his name. There it is again. Jesus, the name is the word, the will. You can't separate God and his word. They are one. So I can have healing because it's in the Word. I can have peace because it's in the Word. Amen. John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, I give unto you. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. Now, here's what God is saying. Now, listen, if you weren't capable of becoming this, he could never say it. But the very fact that he said it makes you capable of coming this. Amen. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So then he brings it right down to the word he left behind on printed page. So here you go. Take your Bible, open it up. Here's the word of God he's left behind on printed page. It is a part of him when you accept it by faith into a spirit-filled life. He said his word was life. That's exactly what he is. He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. 
He says in Romans, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he's none of his. Therefore, he is spirit, he is life. That's exactly what the word is. That's exactly what Jesus is. He is the word. So, when a spirit born, I mean spirit born, spirit-filled man in faith takes that word into his heart and places it upon his lips, while that is the same as deity speaking, every mountain has to go Satan cannot stand before that man. Hallelujah. Taking the word on printed pages, believing it in the heart, placing it upon your lips, every mountain has to go. Satan cannot stand before it is written. It is written. It is written. It is written. If the church, way back in that third age, had only held on to the revelation. See, that's what the devil's trying to do to us. Get us to let go of the revelation of the living word in our midst. Living word, not dead word, not a creed, not just a message with no life in it, but a living word. A word with power. The power of God would have never faded as it did in those dark ages. And right today, how many's ready for this? Right today, when the church returns to the word in faith, we can say without a doubt that the glory of God and the wondrous acts of God will be in her midst again. Hallelujah. Let me announce it loud and clear. When she returns in faith, that little faith woman, this one, that one, here, there, that bride, this one, here, there, whoever you are, individuals, when you return in faith, Hallelujah, the glory of God and his wonderful acts of God will be in our midst again. And she will. Because she is that little faith woman. And she must understand and know her position as princess. David knew his position. He had been anointed. I wish I was. You have. Amen. Come on, church. A prophet anointed you as much as an Come on. You know that. As much as anointed David. You've been anointed by message in this last day. The Laodicean age in this last day to sit with him on his throne. So anything between here and the rapture to get you away, any Goliath, any devil, his head's coming off. If he dares to challenge the servants of the living God, if he dares to resist that name, if he steps out in boldness, walking out to try to defeat this bride, his head will come off. Not us defeated. We have been anointed to sit on the throne. David knew his position. Every morning, every morning, every person should get up and pick up five stones. 
You know, I can, I can walk right out here and not find the stone, but I know some places I can find the stone. So I go to that place because I'm not going to just find the, the right stone anywhere, but I'm going to find the right stone. And you're not going to get it on CNN. But then I got to have my news. All you get is more unbelief, doubt, confusion, lies, lies, lies. I don't care if it comes from Fox. Lies. He's a slow fox. Liar. But we got to get our daily dose. What's happening in the world? What's happening in the word? What's happening in the bride? What's God going to do for me today? Where am I going to see him move? Where am I going to use the Holy Ghost to defeat an enemy? I've got to get prepared. Amen. I'm going to go right down to the brook of his promise. Hallelujah. Pick up me five stones. Amen. Five promises of God. And you know what I'm going to do with that? I'm going to put it in my sling of prayer. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to put it in my sling of prayer. And I'm going to sling that with a hand of faith. Oh, hallelujah. Don't be afraid to let it go. It'll hit the target. Don't be afraid. It'll heal the sick. It'll bring your lost one. It'll come on in to save the lost. It'll deliver the people of God. Don't be afraid. Let it go. said, well, you might as well settle down and quit believing. The doctor said this and that. Listen, the Christ that made you stop drinking, that's made you stop smoking and lying and stealing, that saved your life from a life of drunkenness, from sin and from a devil's grave. If that God can do that for you, hallelujah, he will save you from your cancer, your TB, your old age problem, whatever it is. I have been laughed at for saying it, but I'm going to say it again. You do not have to die sick. You can die healthy and well and change dimensions. Hallelujah. Amen. I'll tell you what, church, don't you give up on me. Don't you just discount me. Don't you say, well, he's just too old and, and, and yeah, just a little bit too feeble, you know, to carry the load. No, I ain't. Greater is he that is in me than is he that is in the world. Hallelujah, I'm here to the end. 
Hallelujah. But you've got to position yourself in the word of promise. The promise of the word. So the restoration promise is a, a promise of, a word, of returning to the word in faith. And then no doubt, without a doubt, the glory and wonderful acts of God will be in her. So the word is not simply theology. We have turned this message into theology, into creeds, dogmas. Anytime you hear Brother Branham called creeds and dogmas, that's what men have turned the message into. You know, it's just a statement of faith. This is what we believe. But there's no power to it. And by the way, God hates a powerless religion. And God, the only thing that will please him is when people believe him. <laughs> Amen. I know this bride is going to please him. Amen. Listen, listen, Jesus, Jesus did more than just teaching. You see, to teach only is, is just denominationalism. We just turned this into lectures, you know, and, and got to, you know, don't have no power in it, so we got to incorporate from the denominations or psychology to fix our problems, and, you know. But I want you to remember, always keep this in mind, that the difference between two doctrines, true doctrine, and Pharisaic doctrine, is that true doctrine of Jesus is not in word only, but it is the word in action or the word in power. You see, Matthew seven twenty nine said the people were astonished at his doctrine because he taught it as one having authority. You see, there was an authority when he preached the word. There again, when the, in Mark 1, 27, they were all amazed and so much they questioned among themselves, saying, what thing is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority commandeth he even the evil unclean spirits, and they do obey him. True doctrine gives power over unclean spirits. That's why I know men are not preaching true doctrine when they have to go to psychology to find deliverance for their people. I know they're not preaching the truth. Oh, well, they're quoting the quotes. The devil does too. But it's a word without power. It's a word without life. Now, so you see, true doctrine gives you authority over the devil. Well, I said, well, Brother Tim, we got great revelation. We, we actually know more than anybody else. Watch you. We leave the denominations in the dust. Praise God. You know, but it's the revelation of God that will give you authority over the devil. So true revelation gives you authority over the devil. And now we are seated with him with power and authority over every devil. Oh, he said, if you could only believe what God has given. And if you're seated there, you will use it for you're ordained to do what you are to do. Now, Jesus, of course, would read himself right into the scripture. Hello? I'm trying to get you to crack your Bible open. Dust it off. Jesus read himself right into the scripture. He relied upon knowing he was the word. You see, he had faith in God who made him the word. 
This bride is a word bride. She has faith in God who said, you are the word. Amen. You are the word of restoration. You are the word of power. You're the word of deliverance. Amen. And you see, they, that gave him faith because he understood his position. You see, princess has a position. Bride has a position. Come on. You have a position because of a relationship. Son or daughter has a position. Amen. So he knew what he said. He knew who he was because the scripture said he was that. And and here every scripture tied in. It wasn't just one scripture, but all the scripture tied in over and over and again. And he knew exactly what the scripture said that he would be. In fact, the matter is, he said, search the scriptures. In them you think you have eternal life, but they are testifying of me. Amen. Listen, there again, this is what you must do yourself. The bride must be able to say the same thing. Search the scripture, for they testify of who I am. Amen. God said he would have a bride in this day. And if he, then, then of course he said if he did that, that he relied upon what God made him, if he did that, then can't we rely on what God made us as believers? These signs shall follow them that believe. He had faith in what he was. And if you're a believer, you have faith in what you are. You are a believer. Have faith in yourself as a believer. Not a doubter. Not weak. Come on, talk in the devil's language. I'm weak. I don't have very much faith. My faith isn't very strong. Don't let your heart condemn you. Let your heart be turned. You see, you're letting your heart be condemned. Let not your heart be troubled. Believe. Look what he's saying. Of course, if you're doing things wrong, repent. Amen. Let him remove sins as far as the east is from the west because otherwise you can't have confidence that he hears you. Amen. So if there's something you did wrong, well, repent. Well, I searched and I searched and I searched and I couldn't find nothing. Quit searching then and accept forgiveness. But when your heart don't condemn you and you know you're a believer, there's nothing between you and God. You can ask what you will and know it'll be given because it's the word that's been, has given to you just like it was those disciples because it's the word that's given to you just like it was to those disciples. Could you, could you accept that? That this Bible, this word is given to me just like it was to Peter, James, and John? Just like it was to... Rahab or Elizabeth or whoever in the Bible. Come on. The word is given to you just like it was to those. Now the only thing you have to do then is have faith in what you are. Have faith in what the word says you are. Amen. Because whatever the word said about me, that's what I am. Though I don't see it yet, that's what I am. 
And Jesus had faith in the word that said, what he was is written of me. And he said, didn't David in the Psalms and the prophet and all of them speak of him? He said, I'm the bread of life that come down from God out of heaven. I am the tree of life from the Garden of Eden. I am all of these things. I am that I am. Now, so you see, a believer, he said, is the faith of God that moves in you. So because you are a believer, the faith of God is moving in you. It's an action. First Peter 3 and 12, Sister Jeannie sent me this this week, and it blessed my heart. For the eyes of the Lord are, all, are over the righteous, and his ears are open unto their prayers. That ought to make every one of you shout. The eyes of the Lord are over the righteous, and his ears are open unto their prayers. God listens when you talk. Even Sarah, when you just kind of said it in your heart and it was scorning, God listened. He heard. Amen. But when you say things that pleases him, when you're agreeing with the word, come on now. Amen. His ears are open. Oh, you got my attention. You saying what I said. Amen. You're in agreement with me. Your heart is in turn. Amen. It's been turned and it's in tune. Amen. Oh, listen, we're not to turn this message into a powerless religion. You see, it's the word of God, and the word of God is quick or alive. The word of God is living and powerful. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. The, the Bible said in 2 Timothy 3.16, and, and just let me quote it like this, for all scripture is breathed out by God. <sighs> How did I speak? <sighs> I breathed out words. Amen. Come on. The word, scripture, had to come from God first. And he breathed it out and spoke it. And it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. So again, God gave you breathe, God breathes words that have power in them, amen, to equip you for every good work, amen. It's a living power and it's energetic and active. Listen, Brother Branham talked about it. He said, I read the Bible and here's his attitude toward it. He said, I read the Bible and I get up and run around the chair and scream to the top of my voice and cry a little bit and sit down and read a little more and get up and run around again. Don't sound like to me he's listening to the news. Don't sound like me he was listening to CNN. He said, I read the Bible and I get up and run around the chair, scream to the top of my voice, cry a little bit, sit down, read a little more, and get up and run again. Around, uh, again. He said, I guess it's a maid or somebody come by. They would think they had a maniac shut up in that room. But you know, I feel, uh, I, I like it. No matter what I, uh, what I act like here, I, I feel good. I'm going to another land. And I like to hear about it. And you can see a vision. How many of you like to see a vision? Oh my, wouldn't that be great, Brother Joe, to see a vision, man? 
man, I mean, a, a, a real vision. I can see a vision. I mean, a real one, not imagination, a real vision. But Joe, wouldn't you like that? Oh, you love to have a vision. And you can see a vision anytime you look into the Bible. Hallelujah. You can see a vision of anytime. You can, hey, if you're sick, you can see a vision of a perfectly healed person and step by step walk into that. Hallelujah. Don't limit the Bible to being just a book of history, a book of moral code. It's a vision. It's a prophecy. When he speaks, he's speaking about me. Read the vision. What did it say of you? Search the scripture. Jesus looked at the grave and said, I'll be in there three days. Because he said, he'll not leave my soul in hell. Neither will I allow my holy one to see corruption. Right? Amen. You can look in the scripture and say, by his stripes I'm healed. By the doctor, but the doctor's report, but whose report do you believe? I can look in the scripture and say, I'm raptured and I'm not left here for the tribulation. I'm not going to make it. I've already made it. Amen. It's written. Satan, Jesus told Satan, it is written. Uh, and that man shall live by every word. And then, of course, Satan comes around, tries to get him to doubt his experience. Isn't that the way it is? You know, no matter how great an experience you can have, you can be baptized by a prophet a forerunner, wrote of in the scripture. And here he's standing there and, and, and he sees the dove come down and, the vo- and heaven open and a voice speak out. This is my beloved son. This is the son I love. I'm coming to dwell in him. Hallelujah. And he, and he baptized, he's baptized and John's as he's going out and said, behold the Lamb of God to take away the sin of the world. Well, brother, that's a pretty good experience, ain't it? Amen. Wouldn't you like to have that experience at your baptism? Amen. Jesus there had that experience, walks out with that great experience and doubts it. You say he doubted it? Words are coming to him. Now, you see, he doesn't, it's, it defines that other person that is there that's not him. But if you were just there, you wouldn't see the devil. And here he's having thoughts. If you are really what heaven said you were, then prove it. You're hungry. Make these stones into bread. Come on. What was it? Satan was right there. Do you know the Bible said God led him into the wilderness? Other scriptures said, you know, it's found in Mar- uh, uh, Matthew 4, 4, Luke 4, 4. So then, so here, here again, what, what do you find in the scripture there is saying that Jesus, one of them says he was led of the spirit. The other said he was driven of the spirit. He was led and he was driven to go face an adversary, not a regular devil, but Satan himself, 
Now there's some little devil that might be assigned to you, but the devil himself comes along and said, now if you're the son of God, play trying to get him to doubt his experience. You see, that's the devil's job. Know who that is. I'm doubting my experience. No, you're not. The devil is putting doubts in your mind of your experience. Recognize who's speaking. It ain't God. God never takes away what he gives you. He's not an Indian giver. Somebody help me preach. Amen. If God gave you the Holy Ghost, you say, I wish I had that experience. Listen, every time, listen to me real close. Every time that a person is born again, the same thing happens. Heaven opens, the dove ascended, and it's God saying, when he gives you the Holy Ghost, it's God saying, this is the son I love and I'm pleased to dwell in you. Otherwise, he ain't coming to dwell. But every person that's ever born again has had the Jesus experience on the River Jordan. Come on. Amen. What was it? The heavens open. The dove descended. Come on. The voice says, what is his voice? It's the voice of his word. This is my beloved son, and I'm happy. I'm pleased to come live in him. I'm giving him the Holy Ghost. If you got the Holy Ghost, that's what he said about you. Now, the God said, I love you. The devil says he don't. Who are you going to believe? So you see, faith, you know, sometimes when we look at the Bible, we look at it as a book, it's just hard to understand. But God's word becomes very simple when we regard every word as true and then we act accordingly. It's staggering truths of power and authority granted to the church then becomes a living reality. Faith is simply believing that God will do what he said he would do. Well, I don't have much faith. Wait a minute. What is faith? It's believing that God is able. Come on. God didn't say to Sarah, Sarah, now you know, you're 90 years old. And you know you're strong enough. You can do this, girl. And you can change. And you can become young. And you can bear this child. And you, you can do this. You got this. God didn't say this. God said, I got this. He didn't say, is this too hard for you, Sarah? He knew it was too hard for Sarah. God knows it's too hard for you. It's too hard for you to live a Christian life. It's too hard for you to make a rapture. It's too hard for, come on, it's too hard for, you can't heal yourself, you can't save yourself, but there's nothing too hard for the Lord. Change your mind, your focus on who we're talking about. Faith is believing God will do what he said in his word he will do. And Sarah received strength when she judged him faithful. She believed what God would say, would do what he said. She still didn't know how. It still seemed unreasonable. 
the circumstances were still there. Her hand still wrinkled. Her stoop still in her shoulder. But her heart began to believe. And, and this is what Abraham did. Abraham simply believed that God would do what he said he would do. And, and God imputed it for righteousness. And, and, and the book of Romans would say that David, you know, described the blessedness of a man whom God imputeth righteousness without works. Saying, blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. You see, he would not impute sin to Sarah. No matter how much unbelief she had, he would not impute sin to her. Instead, he imputed grace to her. You know, listen, you're going to receive the promise, the son of promise. Jesus is coming back for you in this evil day. In spite of the fact that you've laughed in your heart and said it's not possible for an old unbelieving church like me to be one that Jesus brings, that brings Jesus back to the earth. You see, don't, don't say I'm unworthy. I, I'm not righteous enough. I haven't done anything to deserve it. But be happy that your iniquities are forgiven and your sins are covered. Be happy and rejoice because the Lord will not impute sin to you. Amen. Not, not that you're not like Brother Branham, bumbling and frustrated, questioning and wondering and what. And God, God sets all of that aside and uses a man's voice to speak a word of creation. What's now? He said of you, you are without spot or blemish or any such thing. Amen. You are my sinless bride. You're perfect in my eyes. You've got to start viewing yourself as God views you. You know, years ago, Brother Biscos told a story of a tin cow bride. It's actually wasn't his. He, he heard it from somewhere else. It's actually all over the internet. You can go and research it and whatever. But that was this young girl that was rather homely, maybe not the most desirable one. And she, she kind of, you know, felt that way about herself and was shy and, you know, backward and, and, and didn't real, felt real insignificant and nobody. And, and so the story goes on that there was a man that saw her and loved her. And he said, you know, you know, they, he, he, Usually for a bride, the dowry would be maybe one or two cows, depending on her value, you know, maybe someone that was maybe not that pretty, not that wanted, and wasn't, didn't feel that valuable, they didn't feel, was, maybe others didn't think she was that valuable, that he just gives one, one cow or two cows. She's more, she's real pretty and, you know, really nice and ever form and desirable and got lots of suitors when the price goes up, you know. Yeah, you know, Brother Joe, you got high prices for your girls. Yeah. Amen. Amen. And so he, you know, so maybe, maybe for that one you get five, but this man, this man saw this girl and he loved her. And he says, he goes to her father and says, I'll tell you what I want to do. I want this girl. 
I really want her. Yeah, what do you get for her? Ten cows. It was an unheard of price. Unheard of. Nobody ever heard of anybody ever giving ten cows for a, for a bride like that. And this girl, ten cows, ha, 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 he got cheated, didn't he? <laughs> and the story goes on that he gave the dowry and gave the ten cows and the girl and the, the man went off and they were married and, and, and one day, you know, there was, there, there come a time for the, for the girl to come back and visit the family and visit the village that she was from. And here, that girl that was just so beat down and shy and backwards and didn't feel good about herself, she come walking in with her head way back, big smile on her face, a flash in her eyes, and she was beautiful. And everybody began to look and say, look at the transformation of this girl. Here she was homely and shy and backwards and withdrawn. Now look at her. She just bloomed out and beautiful. And they said it's because her husband valued her so much. And she realized her worth. Oh, hallelujah. If I could just get you to realize you are valuable in his eyes. Hallelujah. If I could get you to understand, it'll take that old dejected feeling away from you of I'm nothing and I'm nobody and I'll never make it. And you would rise up with your shoulders back and your head high and say, but I am the called, I am the chosen, I am the elect, and I am precious. Amen. I'm precious in his eyes because he left all of heaven. He left all of heaven. He gave everything for me. Blessed be the name of the Lord. A woman of worth, of value. Hold your head up high. You're a Christian. You're a son of God. You're past forgotten, forgiven. Let me bring this down just a moment. Zephaniah 3. You can write that down for reference. But I'm just going to kind of quote it to you as we go along. Here is God talking about the restoration of Israel who represented his bride at that time. It says, sing, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O Israel. Be glad and rejoice with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away your judgments. He has cast out your enemies. The king of, of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. You shall see disaster no more. In that day, it shall be said to Jerusalem, do not fear. Zion, let not your hands be weak. The Lord, your God, in the midst, the mighty one will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quite you with his love. 
He will rejoice over you with singing. <laughs> oh, I love that. The Lord thy God will be in your midst. He will save. He will rejoice over thee with joy. And he will rest in his love. He will joy over thee with singing. Did you think of that? God sings. God sings. You sing. You sing because of your joy over him. But he said he's going to sing because of his joy over you. Hallelujah. You, you, you make God sing. When he looks at you, he sings. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. For we are God's workmanship, his handiwork, his craftsmanship, his own masterwork, a work of art, a masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. So we are God's accomplishment. Hello. Don't talk bad about God's accomplishments. Don't think bad about God's handiwork. Don't criticize his masterpiece. He ain't a sloppy workman. Now, could you imagine God doing bad workmanship? Huh? Now, if you're still breathing, check and see. <laughs> yeah, I am. If you're still breathing, he's not, still, he's not through working on you. You are his craftsmanship. You are his, <laughs> you are his masterpiece, his handiwork, his masterwork, his work of art. Amen. Amen. Uh, well, but my faith is not too strong. Shut up. And let him work. He ain't through. He's fixing that. And he gets, when he gets through with your faith, that little tiny mustard seed of faith, that little spot of faith, that little bitty faith that you got that ain't much will become rapture in faith. Hallelujah. Amen. So God rejoices and he works and he sings while he's working over you. Humming a song. Mm. Oh, no, no, no. That, that wrinkle of bitterness, uh-uh. Nope, got to smooth that out. None of that fear. Nope, that's not me. That has torment. Fear ain't a God. I ain't lying. Nope, nope. Sh- shove that out of there. Smiling as he sings, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. working on you, working on you, molding you. When you awake, you're going to wake in his image. We shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Amen. And he smiles as he sings. Mm-hmm. Oh, I want to see her and just look upon her face. There I'll sing forever of her beauty and her grace. And on the streets of glory 
We'll shout and we will rejoice. Satan's bound. My bride is crowned. Together we'll lift our voice. And he's working. And he's working. And he's moving that out. No, you can't think like that. Uh, I'm going to turn your heart. Got to turn that heart a little bit. I'm sending a message there where you believe what I am able to do. I can do exceeding abundantly. Yeah, I got this. Yeah, I got your problem. Yeah, I got your marriage. Yeah, I got your kids. Yeah, they're going to be mighty in the land. Hallelujah. Your offspring's going to be blessed. I'm going to bless you going in and coming out, everything. I'm going to bless you in every way. Come on. I'm taking all this out of you. Amen. Hallelujah. So he works along. Oh, oh, I can't wait to see her happy and complete. There with me forever, my raptured bride shall be. We'll honeymoon together for a thousand years of peace. Sins all past, we'll reign at last. Oh, throughout eternity. You gotta quit thinking the wrong thinking. Oh, it's not for me. I can't believe it. I'll never be perfect. My faith is so little. That's the devil's language. You've been talking. Listen, the Bible tells you the wisdom of the wise, and that Satan will be brought to naught. What's the symbol for naught, for nothing? Zero. He will be brought to zero. Oh, everything he said about you is going to be brought to nothing. All the threats he's had against you is going to be brought to nothing. All your inferiority complex, it comes from a devil. Maybe your daddy tried to put it on your mother, your this or that. Somebody else said this. It's going to be nothing. Come on. You need to tell the devil. You're nothing. And look down when you say it. Because he's under your feet. Hallelujah. He's going to be brought to naught. Nothing. And all the while, God is singing about you, rejoicing over you, thinking, oh my. Did you hear what she did the other day? Did you hear what my bride is doing? Did you hear the other day when, when, when my bride got, got, got faced with the cancer? They, they cast him out. Did you hear? They're doing just what I said they would do. They're, I mean, isn't that, they're sons in my image. They're just like me. They're, they're starting to believe. And as they believe, the more I can bless them because I can release blessings when they believe. Hallelujah. They're quitting this fear because fear has no value. Fear is not of God. Fear hath torment. Fear is of the devil. I never put fear on you. I did not come to bring you fear and failure. I came to bring you love and courage and ability. My bride is mighty in faith, convinced of my power. I'll fulfill my promises. I'm convinced. I'm convinced her faith will become rapturing faith. When, and I'm convinced of that this morning. Are you convinced? I'm convinced when I lay my hands on the sick, they shall recover. Not because of the magic or the mystic power of my hands, but because he said I would do this. 
When I command the evil spirits to leave, to leave, they will leave. Not because I'm a holy man and have a perfect record, but because my righteousness is of him and he said of me and my name you will cast out devils. Of all kinds, shapes, varieties, porn devils, lust devils, fear devils, doubting devils, demons of sickness, of all kinds. When I speak, they have to go. This is the faith of those that are truly born again. That that fact, it places faith within the, the reaches of the simplest child. When we conclude that the written word, that anything and everything that God said in his Bible is God's revealed will to us. Amen. For everything that he longs to do for us, then we treasure that word, we stand on it, and expect God to make it good without wavering or doubting or worrying. We take our position as a bride of Christ. Amen. Now, so as we go into this for a moment, and I'm trying to bring it down, you know where I can finish this. And I'm only halfway through. And so it is a bad dilemma. (laughs) But I want you to get it. You see, Satan will do everything he can to cause you to doubt. Jeremiah 32, 17 says, All Lord God, behold, thou madest heavens and the earth by thy great power and stretched out arm, and there is nothing too hard for thee. Surely if he made the heavens and the earth, then he can handle your puny little insignificant problem. But of course Satan loves his smear tactics. He wants to use smear tactics on this church. And he will smear even the name of Pentecost until you don't want to be identified with it. To keep you beat down so that you won't use your faith. He'll, He'll make a mockery of gifts, speaking in tongues, until it becomes considered baby talk. Something only the mature, uh, that, that the mature would never do. And this, of course, removes from you the power, the intercession of the Holy Spirit through our lips. You see, the devil knows that Mark 16 in action is the word in action. Amen. And he, he don't care how much word, word, word you have as long as it never goes into action. As long as your sword is just a pretty ornament on your side. He, 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 he has nothing to fear. And that's why Satan hates altar calls and Holy Ghost experience. That's why Satan despises prayer lines. He knows when you put the word into action, he's going to be cast out. Oh, but this is a word revival. Yep, but it's not a dead form of our theology revival. You can't revive that. It's a dead and rotten. This is a word revival of the faith once delivered to the saints. So it's the word in action, not the word for decoration. You see, and so we have not been called to fear, but we have, we have been called to trust. The more I trust him, the more I love him. And I show my love to him by my trust. Now I want to get something to you. We should not fear God. We should reverence God. We should not be afraid of him. As a boy, just honestly, I was afraid of my daddy. When he came home from work, we scattered. 
I longed for his approval, but I found none. He was a good man. He did many great things for me, but I could never measure up. I could never meet his approval. But you know what I did with that? I broke the cycle. I want my children to know they are my joy, that I'm proud of them. My girls, they're daddy's girls. You know, when I got married, I, I, I wondered, would I, my home be like my, the home that I grew up in? I had Christian parents. You know, I, I, I loved my mother, but I was afraid of my dad. And, and, you know, I never had relationship with him. And I thought, God, I don't want, I don't want my wife I want her to have a relationship. I want her to have, be loved. But I, I, don't, I don't want them to love her more. I want them to love me as much as they do her. I, I want to be loved. And I want them to know I love them. That I care about them. That I'm proud of them. That they're my joy. You know, so my, my daughters, they're daddy's girls. I've let them known throughout the years you know, in, in just more than just words, but in actions and deeds, you're my pride. You're my joy. My son is my pride. You see, he's, a, he's the apple of my eye, as my girls are. They don't have to guess about it. They don't have to wonder. I tell them that. I show them that. I let them know they are loved. A man who can't tell his son's and daughters that they are loved is not a father. He is a sperm donor. He not, you know, you see, like I said, he's not a father. Let me say it again. He's a sperm donor. He's never been a father. A father is nurturing. A father tells his children, I love you. He's not too prideful. He's not too shy. He's not too backwards. He's not too bent. He's not too warped that he can't release love. You see, you see, he shows them, he expresses them. Maybe you had a father that, that abandoned you. Maybe you had a father that didn't care about you, that never, never could say I love you, never, never had, you know, never praised you, never spoke well of you. Maybe you had that kind of relationship and whatever, but you don't have to keep that. Today, you can start today and break the cycle. Be a real man. A real man can love. It's not a sissy to man. A man can love. A man can care. A man can have compassion. A man can nurture. He's a father. And the reason I know I can do that because my heavenly father does that. And this goes on down to my grandchildren, my grandson. They are my sons. My granddaughters are my daughters. And I'll tell you, Papa's proud. They make me proud. And I am proud to be their Papa. Amen. Come on now. I want you, I want you to understand. I don't want them afraid of me. I want them to trust me. I want them to love me. And God is the same kind. He does not want his children afraid of him. 
He wants them to know they have his support. They have his love, that they are the apple of his eye, that they are his joy, that he would leave all of heaven just for you. He would come from glory this morning just for you. He would come speak a word just for you, that you are imparted in his eyes. You cannot be forgotten. You cannot be forsaken. You cannot be neglected. Your request cannot be turned down. What you say to him is valuable. He listens every time you cry. I'll be away next Sunday. I would have probably preached long anyway. But I'm going to take a little bit from next Sunday. Whoever preaches here can cut it a little short. I'm going to steal some of their time. But I would borrow from next Sunday even if I was going to be here. Paul would sum it up in Romans 7 about the struggle of our flesh. You see, in the Old Testament, under the law, there was only one birth, and man was birthed into sin, and there was no new birth that would birth you into righteousness. So righteousness under the law was works. You could not be born into righteousness. But in the New Testament, that's not so. We have a new birth. And now that births us or places us in relationship with God. We are actually his offspring. I pray that revelation dawns on your heart. I am his offspring. I'm his DNA. I'm his genetics. I'm his kind. I cannot help but come into his image. Paul summed it up in Romans 7, the struggle between our flesh that's born of our first birth and showed us how through Christ that we have broke through, we have broke free of sin's bondage. And now we experience that glorious liberty of freedom from the yoke of sin. Now under the law, we, we differed nothing from a servant. We were servants, but under grace, we are not treated as servants. We are treated as sons, as offspring. Now, remember, if you're a lady, remember you're still sons of God, just like I'm bride of Christ because of being in the church. So you're, we're all sons of God, male and female, sons of God. Just like, as I said, I'm bride of Christ, not physically, but because I'm in the church, and the church is the bride. It's because God would use... One man to symbolize his work as the groom. He would use a multitude of people to symbolize his work as a bride, as a people. It's called a church. So under the law, we were servants, but under grace, we are treated as sons. Under the law was blessings and cursings. Blessed if we obeyed, cursed if we didn't. And we didn't have the power to completely obey. You see, this made us wretched men. But when Jesus came 
and provided a way out of servanthood into the glorious liberty of Jesus Christ, it, it, left, it left us to ourselves as almost like two people, that our flesh is aligned with the law of sin, but now our renewed mind is fixed on submitted to God's righteous truth. So we are, the inside has been born again, yet the outside still needs a change or its own new birth. So we will be born again into a new body. That one never smoked, never drank, never had an evil thought. It's a match to our soul. Now, so the Bible tells us, and I'm not even going to refer to the scripture because I, well, I'll refer to it. It'll be Romans 8, but I don't want you putting it on the screen. I want you just to listen because I'm going to paraphrase it because he brings it down and he says, now the case is closed. There remains no accusing voice of accusation against those who are joined in life union with Christ Jesus. So there's no accusing voice of condemnation that comes to God. Under the law, there was always condemnation. You can never measure up. Try as hard as you could. You could not keep it perfectly. And there was only one birth under there, but under the birth of the New Testament, we are born again. And when we're born again, we are born of a righteous line. And we are righteous because of of our birth. He has made us righteous. The Bible actually said he became our sin that we could become his righteousness. So you look at your neighbor right now and just say, I am the righteousness of God. Therefore, you can pray the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man. Because you are the righteousness of God, not because you did everything right, but because of your new birth by faith, he has imputed righteousness to you. That in spite of your weaknesses, he is making up, Sarah, for your weaknesses to make you strong. So the law, uh, the law of the spirit of life has liberated us from the law of sin and death. And for God achieved what the law was unable to accomplish because the law was limited by weakness of human nature, yet God sent his son in human form to identify with human nature and human weakness where he was tempted in all points like we are. Clothed with humanity, he gave his body to be a sin offering so that God could once and all condemn the guilt and the power of sin. So God condemned the guilt and the power of sin at Calvary. And he bore the price for your redemption. The punishment that you deserve was upon him. So already... He cannot punish you. He took your punishment. He cannot send you to hell. He went to hell for you. Somebody with me? So every righteous requirement of the law is now fulfilled in Christ, living his life in us, and we are free to live, not according to our flesh, but by the dynamic power of the Holy Ghost. 
And now Christ lives his life in you. And even though your body may be dead because of the effects of sin, his life-given spirit imparts life to you because you are accepted by God. Look at your neighbor and say, I have been accepted by God. That's what the Holy Ghost did when he came. It was his word, I have accepted you. And you did not receive the spirit of bondage leading you back to fear. To be afraid of never being good enough and never being able. But you received the spirit of full acceptance enfolding you into the family of God and you will never feel orphaned as he rises up within us, our spirits joined with him with words of tender words saying, beloved father. The spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. God owns us as his own. And if we are children, then we are heirs of God and join heirs with Christ. Listen to Brother Branham, and I'm, and I'm closing real close now. So I'm convinced that every detail of our lives is completely, continually woven together to fit into God's perfect plan of bringing good into our lives, for we're lovers who have been called to fulfill his design purpose. What's now? And Brother Branham said, how much faith can you use? The trouble of it is I found that with, with the fundamentalists and then the positionally they know where they are, or who they are, or what they are, but the next is Pentecostals, they have faith, and, and yet they don't know who they are. He said, it's like a man that's got a lot of money in the bank, but he can't write a check, and others got it, can write a check, but he ain't got no money in the bank. If, if I could ever get them two together. In other words, if I could get a person to realize his position in Christ, that he's not rejected, he's not orphaned, he's not on his own, he, God's not out to get me. He's a loving father. He loves us. He knows how to show his love. Somebody help me. Now, if I can get them to positionally know who they are and then have the faith that the Pentecostals have and bring them together, faith in their position. Somebody with me. Faith in what God said I am. Faith in my forgiveness. Faith in his mercy. Faith in his healing. If I could ever get them together, he said, this nation would see a shaking like it never before. Signs and wonders would appear everywhere if you could get Pentecostal faith and fundamental people together. So this message, its design is to get, take fundamental truths and doctrines, but then we neglect faith because people go one way or the other so Brother Branham said, Satan will try to make it all mechanics and no dynamics, or all dynamics and no mechanics. If I can get the two together, somebody knowing their position, the Pentecostals receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost that makes them part fellowship with, in relationship with God that's born again and a son and daughter of God. Tell them out of the Bible and they believe it. The thing of it is, they forget who they are. They think, well, I don't know. Oh, brother, you that's born again, your sons and daughters of God, co-equal with Jesus Christ in his presence. That's what makes the devil angry is let the church of God realize who they are. Oh, you great living church of living God, 
You have claimed to have kissed the blessings off the rim of the cross. Sometimes I wonder if God would ever take you his gospel and shake you to a place to realize who you are and the rights that you have been given. Hallelujah. So we are heirs with him. Notice here. He says, for he knew all about us before we were born. And he destined us from the beginning to share the likeness of Jesus Christ. This is what you're going to be. I don't care where you're at this morning. This is what you're going to be. You're going to be like Jesus. But I have this problem. You're going to, you're going to be like him. Amen. Listen, this means that he's the oldest amongst the vast family of brothers and sisters who come become just like him, having determined our destiny ahead of time. He called us to himself. He transferred his perfect righteousness to everyone he called. And those who possess his perfect righteousness, he co-glorified with his son. Watch now. Won't you catch this? So he co-glorified you. He made you co-equal with Jesus Christ. He made you to be sin or he made him to be sin for us who knew no sin so that you can become his righteousness. So how can he cast us away? How can he refuse this audience? How can he refuse our request? He is a good, good father. Ask and you shall receive. Knock and it shall be opened. Every persistent person will get what he asks for. Every persistent seeker will discover what he needs. Everyone who knocks persistently will, will find the door open. Amen. He says, look, I know, I know, I'm a father. Let me ask you this. This is the words of Jesus. Can I get you with me just one few more minutes? Just a few. Let me ask you this. Do you know of any father? This is the words of Jesus. Do you know of any father that would give his son a snake, a serpent on a plate when he asked for fish? Of course not. Do you know of any father that would give his son a, a scorpion when he asked for an egg? I'm hungry, daddy. Ha, ha, ha. Give him a scorpion. I'm hungry, daddy. Give him a snake. He says, if imperfect parents know how to lovingly take care of their children and give them what they need, how much more will the perfect heavenly father give the Holy Spirit's fullness when his children ask him? Amen. So he says, the Lord will give grace and glory and, and no good thing will he withhold from them that walk uprightly and the only ones who cannot walk uprightly are sons that the blood is cleansed. Now let's go back to, to Romans thought. So what does all this mean? If God has determined to stand with us, tell me then, who could ever stand against us? If God has proved his love to us by giving up his greatest treasure, the gift of his son, and freely offered him as a sacrifice for us all, amen, he certainly won't withhold anything else that he has to give. If he gave Christ, come on. If he gave himself, wouldn't he give you healing? Would he give you finances? Would he supply your needs? 
Come on, if God proved it by giving us greater love, won't he give you freely all things? Who would dare, who would dare accuse those whom God has chosen and loved to be his? God is himself as a judge who has issued the final verdict, not guilty. Hallelujah, this is the judge's, the judge's final version, verdict, not guilty. Satan, they're not guilty. But they did this and they, they're not guilty. But I saw not guilty. All the charges against them have been laid on me. I have paid the debt and they are free to go. Then, if God will not accept the devil's accusation, then who is left to condemn us? Certainly not Jesus. Amen. He gave his life for us, and even more than that, he conquered death and has now risen, exalted, and thrown at God's right hand. So how could he possibly condemn us since he is continually praying for our victory? He is what? Continually praying for our victory. Continually praying you're going to overcome. How can I fail when Jesus is praying for me? Jesus interceding, sitting at the right hand of God. Come on, and he is praying continually. They're gonna win, they're gonna win, they're gonna win, they're gonna win. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Moses with his hands lifted high was a sign, it's all well. The battle's going good, we are winning. He got weak. Men come along and propped it up, but Jesus went to Calvary and had his hands nailed to the cross. Amen, hallelujah, it's a sign to us. You're winning, you're not losing. You're winning, you're gonna overcome this. You're coming through this. You will not be defeated. Who then could ever separate us from the endless love of Christ? Absolutely no one. Nothing in the universe has the power to diminish his love toward us. Troubles, pressures, problems are unable to come between us and heaven's love. What about persecutions and deprivations and dangers and death threats? Oh no, they're no longer... They, they are all impotent to hinder omnipotent love. Even as though it's written for all day long, we face threats to your, for your sake, O oh God. We're considered to be nothing more than sheep to the slaughter. Yet in the midst of all these things, we triumph over them all. For God has made us to be more than conquerors. Come on, let the musicians come. Amen. He has made us to be more than conquerors. Say it with me, more than conquerors. And his demonstrated love is our glorious victory over everything else. So now I live in confidence that there is nothing in the universe with the power to separate us from God's love. I'm convinced his love will triumph over death, over life's trouble, over evil fallen angels, over sin, over sickness, over dark rulers in the heavens. There is nothing present or future circumstances that can weaken his love and his attitude toward me. There is no power. 
needless. No power can be found in the universe that can distance us from God's passionate love which is lavished on us by our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, the anointed one. Hallelujah. Lavished on you. Lavished on you. There's no reason to fear. Amen. There's no reason to fear. You're standing complete, the virtuous, sinless bride of Jesus Christ. If you're his workmanship, his craftsmanship, his masterpiece, when he chose your lump of clay, he knew exactly the potentials that he would bring out of you. When others looked at it and said, that Joe, he's a worthless boy. He described himself the other day in words I'm not going to use. But there was a sinner lost. People say no chance. No hope. But God had him in his mind before the world began. Aaron, an idolater, a worshiper, false gods, a man in sin, aimless, without direction. Didn't look like he would ever amount to nothing. But God saw potential in him. Tim Pruitt, a man, a boy, he'll never amount to nothing. He'll be a forever kid. Why? He makes himself the way he is. He wants to be petted. He cares about. He's so lazy. Somebody else. All the things said about me. Lies. But I didn't become none of them. Because my heart got turned. You do not have to become what the devil has lied over you. The neglect of some father or mother or brother or sister. This one did this or that one did that. And and I was harmed and I was abused. And and I, 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 forget it. Look at his love. He said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. I'm not going to bail you. You'll never be orphaned. I'll never be to leave you alone. You're mine. And I claim you. You're my child. You are the pure, virtuous, sinless bride of the Son of the living God. Every man or woman that's born of the Spirit of God washed in the blood of Jesus and believes every word stands as though you never sinned in the first place. You stand, listen to a prophet's word over you. You stand unadulterated a born-again son or daughter of God with the life of God in you to speak a word of creation. Let this mountain be moved and it'll mind you. Change your heart. Change your thoughts. Change your words. 
You're more than a ten cow bride. You're the bride of Jesus Christ who gave everything, who left all of heaven to identify with you, to pay the price for your unworthiness, to make you worthy in his eyes. Bow your heads with me a moment, just a moment. How many would say, Lord, change my heart in your presence right now, Lord? These thoughts that I've had of myself, these things I've warred within myself, these things that I've wondered and pondered and questioned and doubted, could it be me? Is it possible? Oh, learn the power of words. Quit telling your mate those downtrodden things. Start lifting them up. Quit telling your children you're a failure. You're never going to make it. You'll never be nothing. Quit doing that. Start saying, start speaking faith into them. Start speaking life into them. Speak life into your marriage. I've got a good marriage. So, well, it ain't. Brother Tim, I'm lying. No, you're not. You're, you're saying the potential. I mean, I've got a good marriage. I've got a good home. I've got a great husband. He's a real man of God. He's a real, he's a real. You, you say, well, Brother Tim, he ain't. But he, I'm trying to tell you, friends, the potential's there in every son of God, daughter of God. Right now, look at yourself. Quit saying the negative things. Quit believing them about yourself. Believe what God said about you. Banish every evil thought. Say, Lord Jesus, right now, I deny my doubts. I deny my fears. I will no longer go by fears of rejection. Fears of not being loved, I am loved. I'm cared about. I am valuable. I'm important. I'm special in his eyes. And Lord, I accept it. I accept it this morning. I accept it. Praise the Lord. Let it wash. Let it wash you. Let it wash you. We started out this service washed by the water of the word. Let the word wash you. Let it wash you right now. Wash all the impurities out of you. Those impure thoughts, that, that, that unworthiness, that fear, that unbelief, just let it just go right now. The, well, they, the enemy said I was going to be this or this and said, my daddy said, I don't care what they said. What did God say? Look at it. Let him change you. Let him be washed by the water of the word. Maybe you can sing that again after you sing whatever's on your heart. I've heard a thousand stories of what they think you're like.
Yeah.